Wow, that was a good one. How's everybody doing today? I'm pretty stiff. I uh, went 10 miles in a canoe down the Ogeechee River yesterday in Georgia. And some of you might think that's not a very good thing for a 68-year-old to do, and my body would fully agree. But, uh, so if I look a little stiff, that's why. I'd like to give a big welcome to those that are watching also on the live stream. Happy to have you with us today. Our title today is Honor the Lord with Your Wealth. And you're thinking, oh, brother, why did I come today? And we're going to talk about stewarding your money. You know, I've been speaking and, uh, for, and preaching for like 45 years. I think this is the first time I've ever spoken on this subject. Maybe I never will again, but um, <laughs> it's been really fun thinking about it and uh, thinking what would be on the Lord's heart today. You know, the Bible's kind of a big book. Uh, we're not going to cover all of this. We're just going to take out a sliver and look at what it has to teach us, what's on God's heart for us related to our money. Now, years ago, I, I, I read the obviously made-up story of one day the devil was going to attack a believer, and he was trying to get at him. And so he comes up to the front and, and tries to hit him, but he's got the breastplate of righteousness. He tries to knock him in the hip, but he's got the belt of truth. Uh, he, he thoughts, well, I'll wound him in the foot, but he's got his feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. He throws some darts at him, but he's got his shield of faith. He throws a javelin. It's knocked out by the sword of the Spirit. And he was kind of running out of ideas, but then he snuck up behind him and shot him in his wallet and killed him dead. So our passage today is uh, Proverbs 3, 5 through 10, and you've got it there in your bulletin. So let's look at it together. We've taken that text, honor the Lord with your wealth out of that. Such familiar verses, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make, your, make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. I should have told him to add verse 11 uh, that says, Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. So the promise related to that third part. But honor the Lord with your wealth. And I want you to uh, take a pen. You know, sometimes you'll see the children in here and they're, they're coloring. Well, this is your day. So uh, grab a pen. It should be one in the pew there. You might have one. And I want you to circle three words in this passage. Circle three words. Some of you are still just sitting there. You don't believe me. But, but go with me on this. So I want you to circle the word trust. I want you to see where we're getting our points from. Trust in verse 5. In uh, verse 7, I want you to circle the word fear, fear the Lord. And in verse 9, I want you to circle the word honor. Now let's go back and underline the promises. Like I said, we, I, I didn't get him to put that third one in there. But let's at least underline at the end of verse 6, he will make straight your paths. 
And all of verse 8 actually is the promise. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Interesting way of saying that one. And then if we had uh, verse, what I, I guess it is 10. We just don't have 10 on there. Uh, but you can write in barns and vats, you know, that they're going to be overflowing. All right? Now, I was taught these principles 50 years ago of honoring the Lord with finances. And I think when you're just starting off, you don't have much anyway, so you're not talking about much. And it's like, oh, that's kind of cool, you know, give to God. And uh, sometimes when we get more, it, it gets harder for some reason. But as we think about honoring the Lord with our wealth, I think all, all, of, these pass, all of these verses have, are related to that. I don't think that's what the writer of Proverbs was only talking about when he said, trust the Lord or fear the Lord, but it's definitely included under that. And the first thing we see is that giving to God and honoring Him with your finances, it's an act of faith. He says, you need to trust the Lord. Giving, giving from what you have usually means you will have less. You know, if you have 10 and give away one, you don't have 11, right? And maybe that's new math, but uh, <laughs> you have nine. Well, you, you know, you might have felt like you needed 10. Now you got nine. And so some people think, well, I'll wait until I've covered everything, and if there's anything left over, then I'm happy to help, you know? whether it's the poor or give to the church or whatever it is. But that's sort of having in your mind that I'm giving, if there's anything left over, if there are any scraps left over, uh, I'll, I'll give them to God. I'm reminded of the, the movie, The Lord of the Rings. Uh, there was a character in that movie called Gollum. Anybody heard of Gollum? There you got a Gollum. There you go, Lord of the Rings fans. But Gollum had come across the ring of power, and it had become, uh, in his mind, not only his possession, but he called it my precious. And if anybody tried to take that from him, he got this really awful look on his face. It's mine. You know, a lot of us are sort of like that with our stuff and with our money. Uh, Pastor Josh has been talking about, well, actually, technically, uh, you got it from God, and you got it on loan, so technically, it's not mine, it's His. <laughs> and this is one of the things that God says He wants us to do with what He has entrusted to us that's really His. He wants us to trust Him and not be calculating. See, that's what the non-trusting mind does. It calculates well, let's see, what do I need and what do I want? And I, I'm not sure if this month it will work out. The trusting heart says, I'm going to get that part that I've decided to give to God, to honor Him with. I'm going to get it out of my house. I don't even want to count on it. Because I am trusting that even if technically I lack, God can and will make up the difference. It's an act of faith to give to God. Secondly, it's an act of obedience. He says, you need to fear the Lord. I'm always reminded of my mother's experience learning about using a, I guess it was a propane gas or a natural gas stove when we, our family lived in Italy, and she'd had something in the oven, and the pilot light had gone off. 
And she, now this is like 1952. And she goes, she said, well, I'll, I'll relight it. Bad idea, because it had been off for a while. So she goes to light it, and it goes boom, and blows her all the way across the kitchen into the wall on the other side of the kitchen, and burns off her eyebrows, and there's this kind of dead silence for about a minute. And after a minute, our, our quite large Italian maid, Anna, peers around the corner, and she says, Senora? Like, are you still alive? <laughs> And you know, after that, I bet you my mother was careful with that gas stove. Now, fear doesn't mean she got rid of the stove, but she learned how to operate it safely. Do you realize that fear, like fire, is a wonderful thing? It's one of the main things that's kept you alive all these years, because you learn to fear fast-moving trucks on the highway. And you didn't just wander out, like, who's afraid of trucks? Well, you need to be. <laughs> it can kill you. <laughs> but you don't walk around having nightmares about trucks on the highway, even though every single one of them could kill you. You just have fear that keeps you on the sidewalk. So it's not a paralyzing fear. It's a life-saving fear. We need a life-saving fear of God that we would not even dare think. If he says something clearly, we're not even going to dare think about not doing it. Because we t fear in this, this sense of fear of the Lord is to take him seriously. If he said it seriously, we take it seriously. And he says, honor the Lord with your wealth. And not just take it seriously because, well, if we don't obey him, he won't bless us. Uh, the fear of the Lord tells us, well, actually, it's a little worse than that. <laughs> Think, well, how could it be worse? Well, Haggai chapter 1 tells the story about the, the people of Israel had come back from captivity, and, and God sends the prophet to reprove them because they were busy building their own houses and didn't get around to doing what was needed for the temple. And, and there's this interesting verse that the prophet says to them. He says, you looked for much. And behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. And they weren't saying, well, I'm not going to give to God. This is, well, just not now. I've got some needs and I've got to take care of some things. And they had it all worked out in their mind. God says, uh-uh. If I'm your God, then God's things come first. They come first. And because you're deliberately obey, disobeying me, uh, all that you're trying to do, I'm going to introduce a bit of a monkey wrench that it's not going to kind of work out just like you wanted it to. Because I'm trying to teach you how to walk in the right path. Honoring the Lord with your finances. It's an act of faith. You trust in the Lord. It's an act of obedience. I wouldn't even dare think about not doing whatever it is God told me to do. But it would be too little to stop there. It's an act of worship. God doesn't just want people who are trusters. He doesn't just want people that are obeyers. He's looking for worshipers. 
Like you gotta get, gotta get past just those first steps to where you're taken with him and where he is your most precious possession. An act of worship, honor the Lord. Now I want you to notice it says, and also with the first fruits of what he's given, the first fruits. That idea of first fruits was that that was an agricultural society, and that meant what they harvested first. Now, if you think about it, usually harvest takes a while. Usually whatever comes first is what's best. And you don't know some storm's going to come through and mess up uh, next week's crop. But he says, I want you to trust me and just go ahead and give me, make your offering out of the very first things that you get. And that then you trust me. That's one of the ways you honor the Lord is you put him first. You put him first in your week by coming to church or or tuning in on the live stream. You put him first in your day by starting your day in the word and in prayer. You put him first in your finances by saying, sweetheart, we're, we're going to at least give a tithe. I know that's Old Testament, so we probably don't want to limit it to the tithe. Uh, we probably need to go a little bit more than the Old Testament. But we're going to do that every month at the beginning of the month because we want to honor God and give him the first fruits. Now, you may have noticed it uses the word wealth. You think, oh, well, that lets me off the hook. <laughs> and now I know a few people in here that they, they, I'm glad they came today, you know. They need to honor the Lord with your wealth. I'm reminded of Richard Wormbrandt when he was in prison in Romania, and I've been in that prison with, uh, with Margie who took us there. We actually got to preach the gospel in the prison where he was held. But when he was there for like 10, 15 years, on, uh, at one point, each prisoner was given just one piece of bread. They were, they were, had, were down to skin and bones. They were basically starving they gave him one slice of bread each day. And he said, but the, the, those of us that were believers, we would tear off a tenth of our one piece of bread and we would put it aside. And then we would pull it together and find which was the prisoner that was the sickest and the most hungry, and we would share that with them. Now, when we go to heaven, we're going to meet people like that. And I don't think they're going to think much of our excuses uh, for not honoring the Lord with our wealth compared to many people. You know, we're, uh, everyone in here, we're wealthier than 95% of the world. And God says, honor me with your wealth. We do not need to feel bad about having what we have. The Bible says God has given us all things to enjoy. God isn't uh, the killjoy waiting to see if you're having a good time and say, cut that out. He says, no, I, I love you living life, and uh, I've blessed you. Enjoy it, but honor me from your wealth. It's like that, that idea of a sacrifice. When they would come to worship God, they would bring their best lamb. They would bring uh, turtle doves. They would bring their first fruits. They would bring something with which to say, God, thank you. Thank you. You have done so much for me. And I want to go back over with you the promises he gives. So God doesn't just give these commands. He says, it's so interesting, isn't it? He says, I'll make it worth your while. 
He says, I know you ought to just obey just because I told you to, but um, I'm so happy when, when you respond in faith and obedience. It's like, yeah, I've, I got some goodies for you. Not that you're doing it because of that, but uh, it's, it's God's way of saying um, how, how much he loves seeing us trust and obey him. He says, I'll make your paths straight. What does that mean? Some of you have had a very complicated time with life. You had, a, you had it all mapped out. You were going to do this and this and this and this and this was going to happen, and then a funny thing happened on the way to the forum, and that is definitely not how it worked out. It's been complicated. Life can get really complicated. God says, if you will trust and obey me and honor me and worship me and put me first in your day and your week and your finances, he says, I will make your paths straighter. They'll be straight. I will also, he says, it will be it will be, bring health and energy to your body and to your soul. How much is spent on being healthy, on living without pain? Now, I'm not saying this, this is a cure-all, you won't have any pain, but there's no greater uh, health supplement than trusting and obeying in God and honoring Him in everything you do and also with your finances. It will bring health and energy to you. And it will lead to God's blessing and provision for your financial needs. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And because I trust him, I'm, I'm always going to put him first in my finances. Now, I want you to notice with our three points, an act of trust, an act of faith, an act of obedience, an act of worship. That's, that's the path our, our life walks, isn't it, with Christ. We start off with an act of faith, and we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. Then we walk with Christ here in this life, an act of obedience. We're trying to walk in His way. And finally, we die and go to heaven, and all of heaven is an act of worship. Well, why don't we close and look at uh, Proverbs 11.24, and I have a couple of other thoughts. Proverbs 11.24 says something similar, doesn't it? One person gives freely, yet grows all the richer. So they, they're given away, and yet somehow they end up with more. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. So even though he hoards it and tries to protect it, it's like it slips away. It slips away from him. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. You may not know it, but our church's giving is down, has been down over the last couple of months. Pastor Josh has given me permission to share on that. More will be said as far as what's the nature of that in the coming weeks. And you need to know that your church has been very faithful in practicing what we preach here. You, do you know the church gives more than a tithe? Oh, it's upward toward 20% toward benevolences and world missions, local ministries. Uh, our church is doing what this says. We're honoring the Lord with our finances. We're trusting Him uh, that He's going to provide for us, and we don't every month think, Oh, do we have enough, and maybe we ought to keep some in reserve, and maybe we can't send anything to the missionaries this month. No, we just go ahead and give it. 
you give it. I mean, it's, it's us. It's not us. It's all of us, isn't it? And today you may be one of the people that you're part of what God is doing here. And you're already very clear on this whole matter of giving, being a good steward, being generous. And this morning, particularly, we want to say thank you. It's really appreciated, and God is using it. But some of you may not be there, at least not giving to the church. Some others of you are visitors today, and we just want you to know this message is not directly for you, at least not on this point. We're delighted to have you as our guest, and we're happy to pay all the bills to make this possible. We're honored that you're with us. So please don't think we're trying to get any of the visitors to solve any of our problems. We, we love you just like you are. Come as, as often as you'd like. But if you come regularly, let me just say a word. I'm only working for like six months or something like that in a temporary role just to help fill in since Pastor Jason um, took another role. So, but let me put on my church hat just for a minute, you know, uh, you may have thought to yourself, well, why should I give to my church? Or maybe you're not happy with everything in the church. Maybe you've sort of decided to join the defund the church movement. And I'd like to think about that just for a moment with you. I want to remind you today that as the church, we baptize your babies. We play with and teach your children. We bear with and try to reach your young people. We help you get married and stay married. We're here every week to help you worship whether or not it's convenient for you to come. We don't send you a single bill, but we always seek to pay ours. We visit you and pray for you when you're sick. We bury you when you die, when you die, and we comfort your loved ones. Have we treated you so poorly that you can be unconcerned for our welfare as well. Now, some of you hearing my voice, you're technically members, but all you do is come on Sunday morning, and you're, of course, free to do whatever you would like, but you're not really engaged in other activities, and you're not engaged in giving. I just want to say this morning that actually makes you sort of like an eternal visitor. And this morning, I would just like to invite you to become a full member, that you would not just visit on Sunday mornings, but that you would engage in activities, in a life group, in a discipleship hour group, in a ministry, and that you would honor the Lord with your wealth here in our church. Now, at the end of the day, I have good, really good news. You can do whatever you want. You know, we're not going to send you a bill. Uh, we're not going to do an audit. We don't even know what you give. So we just know if, if, uh, uh, how much has come in. So you don't, you don't do this because you have to. You do it because you get to. This increases your joy at the last day that you know that you have honored the Lord with your wealth. With your wealth. Let's work together with God to change the world. Life is too short to just sit on our couch and, our, and amuse ourselves to death. 
When you honor the Lord with your wealth, you declare your trust in Him. You give Him room to bless you. When you give appropriately and generously, you become more like Him who is most generous. You serve and bless others. You thank Him for all He does for you. When you honor the Lord with your wealth, you trigger these incredible promises of blessing over your life. You worship and praise Him. You remind yourself that everything really belongs to Him. You sanctify all the rest of what you have. And when you honor the Lord with your wealth, you partner with your brothers and sisters in Christ to change the world. May God motivate you to rush to take your next step of obedience in this area, however he leads you. Let's say it together. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Ready? Honor the Lord with your wealth. One more time. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have outdone yourself with us. You have provided for us, cared for us, loved us. You have given your life so to open the door of heaven for us to eternity. You've given us a giant Bible that some of us haven't even read all of it to guide us in our lives, to help us to know you. I pray first for the person today here that's actually never put their trust in you. They've never opened the door of their life to you. That this would be your day to come into God's presence and receive him as your Savior. In fact, pray with me right now. Dear Lord Jesus, I need you. I haven't been perfect. And right now I put my faith in you, my trust in you. Please come into my life. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Help me to live for you in Jesus' name. And Lord, for everyone else here, that's heard this, these words, I pray that that phrase, honor the Lord with your wealth, would stick to them like a cockspur to their sock and would just walk around with them, that the Holy Spirit would inform each person what's on your heart for them to do with that. Lord, no one else is their judge. They stand before you. And I pray that each one would get past obligation and find the joy of honoring the Lord with their wealth and from the first of all their produce, that their barns might be filled with plenty and their vats overflowing with new wine. Get us past our allergies that we're offended so easily when the church talks about money. We turn back to you, God, and say, Lord, you have given so much to me. Of course, I want to be excited about participating with you and stewarding well the finances you've entrusted to me. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We pray in the wonderful, powerful, beautiful name of Jesus. Amen.